morning. Let's give a round of applause to Cedric and the worship band. What an awesome job, as always. Amen. Give it to God. What a great uh, team of people we get a chance to, to worship with uh, every weekend. I'm grateful to be a part of this team. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, this, as I told the first service, this actually is my last day. Uh, and then I will be officially off probation. Not not the kind of probation, like the criminal probation, but in terms of being here at College of Presbyterian Church, my one year will be over. And so, uh, yeah, that's good news. So this is your last chance to send in a nice gram or a nasty gram. You get one opportunity. And after that, you know, you never know. Uh, but uh, but it's been a great ride being here so far. Looking forward to all the uh, neat and exciting things that God's going to do. I want to remind you that this is the holiday season and uh, you'll get an opportunity to uh, worship uh, just with this band and just, I don't know if you were here, some of you might have been here for the first service, uh, great choir with a full orchestra, with dancers, uh, it was just an awesome experience and you'll get a chance to get a taste of that if you come out for uh, the Christmas Eve service or one of the services on the uh, 2nd, 9th, 16th, just have a great uh, list of great things happening for the holidays. Uh, on the 16th, the African uh, choir will be here just doing an African carol, which would be pretty awesome. Uh, on the 23rd, this is a great day to invite your friends, the Dickens Carolers will be here. Uh, uh, Mike said, pull out all the stops, so we did. So we've got the full-dress Victorian-style Dickens Carolers coming in. So it'll be just a neat time for us to sing some Christmas songs together. How many like the Christmas season besides me? Anyone? Okay. I know I, I know that, that, that Christmas can always have some... Uh, some sad emotions attached to it when you think about the loved ones that may no longer be here. And I have those experiences also. But man, I love this time of year. I love the holiday cheer. Uh, I'm one of those kind of guys that loves to see the lights. Uh, we went out to get the, uh, not the Griswold family tree, but the Davis uh, family tree uh, just the other day. and just had a great time out the Christmas tree farm. We go every year. Got to have a live tree in the Davis family. I don't know about your family. We don't believe in those fake things. Uh, but but I love the holidays. I love the peace on earth and good uh, good will to all men that 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 seems to creep in uh, every now and again. Because every now and again, you also see some of the anger and rage in our society uh, big time around this time of year. Another thing to note, uh, I want to tell you, and I need you to keep this between just you and me. Can you do that? Can you keep a secret? All right. So I love my Christmas movies, man. This uh, what is it? Uh, Wonderful Life and Christmas Story. And I've already gotten in. A one to our episode of um, <clears throat> of a Hallmark Christmas movie. <laughs> Just don't tell my buddies. Uh, uh, my police buddies tell me they're going to take away my man card if they find out that I've been watching Hallmark Lifetime Christmas movies. But I got to tell you, I'm one of those guys. Don't raise your hand if you are too. I don't want to be the only one up in here today. <laughs> All right, there we got one in the back. Uh, so I'm just telling you, I mean, it's just, it's just a wonderful time of year. It's, it's especially a neat time to be able to invite people who are uh, sort of on the outside of what goes on here inside to get a taste of, uh, really not just a taste of College Hill Presbyterian Church, but really a taste of God, taste of what God is like. Remember in the scriptures and the Psalms, the psalmist said, taste and see in Psalm 34 that the Lord is good. So what a good opportunity for them to come in. Uh, you can invite them in not to hear a sermon, but just come in and listen to the band. Come in and hear the orchestra. Uh, whatever it might be, come in and hear one of the dancers or see one of the dancers. Hopefully we won't hear any dancers. We won't have any falling dancers. Uh, but again, it's a great time uh, to be an inviter. And that's, I think, a big part of what we need to do as Christ followers. Okay, so we're wrapping up uh, our series uh, today uh, on the parables. And so today we're going to look at uh, the lost sheep. 
uh, just a great story that Jesus tells. And we're going to dig into that a little bit and talk about what it means. But first, let's look at a passage uh, in the Bible in Luke 19. Let's read it. Uh, it'll be on your screen. There we go. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, when we see the word Son of Man, uh, that's Jesus talking about him, his, his humanity. We know that he's a son of God, but he's also the son of man. He came through Adam, uh, uh, birthed uh, through Mary. So we know that he's not only uh, the son of God, but he's also the son of man. But what did the son of man come to do? He came to do what? Come on, you can do better. That. The son of man came to what? The son of man came to seek and to save the lost. He came to search for and to find, to 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 rescue, if you will, those that are lost. That was his mission. One of the primary purposes of Jesus as he walked this earth and his humanity was to seek and to save the lost, was to search for and to find, to rescue, if you will, those who were lost. And so today, guess what? If it's Jesus' mission, it's your mission too. All of us here today, no matter what we do here at Codshill Presbyterian Church, doesn't matter if you serve on the band worship team or on the choir team or if you're on the dance team or the usher team, no matter what team you're on, the truth of the matter is that we're all on the search and rescue team. Yeah, that's you. You're on the search and rescue team. Now, I would have you raise your right hand and swear in, uh, but that would be a little corny, so I won't do that this morning. But the truth is, we are all part of the search and rescue team. And at the core of the search and rescue mission is this idea that there's someone that's lost. And that the only way that person who's lost will be found is if someone seeks them out, finds them, and brings them back. There's someone missing. Someone who's not where they ought to be. Not where they need to be. And guess whose job it is to seek them out and find them? Yeah, it's your job and it's my job. We have a search and rescue mission. Your mission, should you decide to accept it, is to seek out. Uh, to find and to search and to rescue those who are lost. It's the mission of Jesus. The Son of Man came to do what? To seek and to save the lost. And I wonder sometimes if we, if we think too often about lost being people who are far from God from an eternally lost standpoint. I mean, that's typically what comes to our mind first. We think of the person who's never accepted Christ as being the lost person. But I want you to know that we also ought to think about people who are in Christ because you can truly be in Christ and still be lost and still be a Christian. Now, if you're not sure about that, you're looking at a person who knows what that's like firsthand. I know what it's like to name the name of Jesus. Uh, to be an occasional Bible-toting, big King James Bible-toting kind of guy. But at the same time, not quite know how to find my way, not be sure about my, my particular location, and, and to, be, to be searching around in the dark even at times, wondering what my next steps are. So today, if you're here today, and if that describes you, if you're, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, a believer, and you find yourself a little bit dismayed at times about where you are, if, 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 especially at this time of year, if you find yourself wondering, Man, where do I fit in in all this? I want you to know that Jesus came to seek and to save you also. He came to restore you back to a position of wholeness and health in Christ Jesus. Jesus came to seek and to save, to find and to rest, rescue those that are lost. Uh, I want us to consider that uh, one of the primary purposes of a person who's on a search and rescue mission is to get to know as much as possible as they can about the person who's lost and missing. In other words, I remember being as a, as a young police officer, we were looking for a missing person. We'd often have a picture of what that person looked like. Uh, we would know the ethnicity of that person. We would know the height, the weight, the particular identification markers of that individual that was missing because lost people matter. And if we're going to go and look for some, we have to have an idea of what they look like. If you're here today 
and you're uncertain about where you are with God, he knows who you are. He knows the number of hairs on your head. You matter to him. The Bible says that you are the apple of his eye. You see, he sent his one and only, his only son, so that you who might be lost, uncertain about your location, uncertain about your particular stance in life, he sent his son so that you could be found and restored back to him. Jesus came to seek and to save, to find and to restore, to search and to rescue those that are lost. So my question to you is, do you have an idea of the people in your community, in your circle, uh, in your family even? Do you have an idea of what those people are going through and what they look like? Do you know the struggles of your neighbors or do you go in and out of the garage every day uh, on your way coming to the church on the weekend and you pass by and you look at those people? Or do you know what those people are like? Do you know the struggles that they go through? Jesus is well acquainted with our struggles. He's well acquainted with our pain. And my challenge to you today, especially as Mike has given us this 250 person challenge, is to get to know the people who God's calling us to reach out to. Get to know uh, what they're like, what they what what they like and what they dislike. Get to know their struggles. Don't just simply accept. Oh, yeah, I'm doing fine. You know how it is. You walk up to a person, whether it's in church or otherwise. How are you doing? Oh, everything's going great, Daryl. It's just fine. But go a little bit further. Search a little bit deeper and ask, how are you doing really? If it weren't for a person asking those kind of questions of me, I wouldn't be found and I wouldn't be here today. Lost people matter to God and they ought to matter to us. Uh, In the search and rescue world, they say that after the first 72 hours, uh, the chances of a person who's lost and missing being recovered in the same state they were in, in a a good place, that, that, that greatly diminishes with time. That greatly diminishes with time. In other words... There's a sense of urgency about those that are lost. I don't know how easy it is for you to come here to this place week after week to sing good, happy worship songs as we do. I don't know how easy it is to come for you to hear a great message and to go back home and to come here again and again and to forget how urgent it is for us to be a part of the mission of Jesus to reach out to those that are lost. The only way, listen, the only hope that a lost person has is that you or I We'll reach out, we'll search for and find them and show them the way back home. We have a search and rescue mission and it's an urgent one. I know too well uh, what it's like to, to have to stand next to a, a lost forever person uh, because someone didn't make it there in time. I know what it's like to make a notification to a parent and say, ma'am, I'm sorry. Uh, we, we tried the best we could, but we just didn't get there in time to, to help your loved one. There's a sense of urgency that we ought to have about the mission that Christ has given us to seek and to find, to search for those that are lost. There's someone that just may not make it unless you do your job, unless I do my job. You think about that for me. I'm not saying that you're responsible for someone next door physically dying, but there's some marriage that may break apart because you know the way, but you don't take the time to show the way. There's some young person who who may be now 10 or 11 years old who may be headed down the path of our penal justice system because you know the way, but you're too busy finding your way to church instead of finding your way towards lost people and letting them know that they matter to God. If they matter to God, they ought to matter to us. Uh, There's a passage of scripture where Jesus tells a search and rescue story. Uh, It's one of my favorite passages and. uh, and in this story, there are several different characters, and you might find yourself in there. Every time I read it, I see myself in different ways. And I want you to look at this story with fresh eyes today and try to see yourself in it as well. It says, by this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus 
listening intently. A lot of doubtful men and women were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. You hung around anyone of doubtful reputation lately? I mean, have you hung around any men or women who, who, who people wonder if you should be hanging around that person? It says Jesus hung around men and women of doubtful reputation, and they were listening intently. Now, the Pharisees and the religious scholars were not pleased, not pleased at all. They growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them, they said, treating them like old friends. What, what do we treat old friends like? I don't know about you, but especially this time of year when I see an old friend, man, it's we get loud. It's, it's an embrace and, and we laugh. And I imagine that the religious scholars were thinking, man, this, this doesn't seem right to us. After all, we're religious and Jesus, Jesus ought to be hanging out with us. Here he is hanging out with people of doubtful reputation. He's treating them like old friends. But it was their grumbling that triggered this particular story. So in verse 4, let's read it. It says, suppose, Jesus is saying to the religious, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you find it? Now let's stop there for a minute. So, so, so Jesus is sitting there with, with the people of doubtful reputation, the men and women who were probably having a, a, a couple cocktails. And he's saying, listen, you religious people who are scoffing and growling and complaining, which one of you, if you had a hundred sheep and you lost one, wouldn't leave the 99 and go after that one? And the irony of that story is that that's really not good business sense, right? I mean, you think about it, who's going to really leave 99 sheep to go after one? In our world, we call that collateral damage. It's just not, not good business sense to leave 99 in the wilderness and go after one. But I like the way Jesus poses the question. He almost interjects the answer to that question in the question by saying, wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after one until you found it? I remember as a kid, my mom had a way of asking questions, but having the answer injected in that question, you, you know, I don't know if you know what I mean. Sometimes you'd be sitting at dinner and, and you eat everything else except for those green vegetables and mom would look around and say, hey, I know you're going to eat those vegetables on your plate, aren't you? I mean, it was a question, but really the answer was already built. Oh, yes, ma'am, I, I am, and I'm going to like it. Or, or maybe, maybe you were a kid and you want to go out and play it, and mom or dad was like, hey, I know you're going to take out the garbage first, right? I know you're going to do your homework before you go out and do. And that's the kind of question Jesus is asking here. He's saying, wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? It's kind of absurd, but when it comes to lost people, lost people matter to God. And so Jesus is pointing this out in the form of a sheep. And he says, when found, when you found the sheep, you can be sure that you would put it across your shoulders, rejoicing. And when you got home, call your friends and neighbors saying, celebrate with me. I found my lost sheep. Then he goes on to say, count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life. And over 99 good people and no need of rescue. Now that's the word of the Lord right there. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life. I like how he shifts it from sheep to sinners. He's clearly painting a picture there that lost people matter to God. That's the whole point of his story, that people who are missing, people who don't know their way, people who are stumbling around in the dark trying to figure it all out, that they matter to God. And if they matter to God, they ought to matter to us. Jesus, the son of man, came to, to seek and to save, to, to find and to rescue those that are lost. If it's his mission, it's our mission too. I can imagine 
the ones who are sitting there who, who are drinking and having a good time, just, just listening intently to Jesus as he taught, as he taught. And I, I can imagine the thoughts that were going through their mind as they realized that hey, he's not just talking about lost sheep. What he's actually talking about is us. And I can imagine, it doesn't really say it in the text, but I can imagine as they begin to wonder, nah, that, that, that just can't be right. I mean, I can't matter that much. I mean, does Jesus really know where I've been? Does he know the things that I've done? I began to think about as I read this how they must have begun to get smiles on their faces as they looked at the religious leaders. Ha <laughs> ha! You guys thought you were special. Now Jesus is saying that we matter too. Do the people you encounter on your jobs and in the classroom and as you're going through Kroger shopping for your holiday ham and turkey, do they matter to you? Are they just the people that you pass by? There's a guy who's sitting on the side of the road on the highway as you exit asking for spare change. Is he just one of those guys? Or does he matter to you like he matters to God? I can imagine these guys sitting there saying, man, not only did Jesus sit with us, but now, now he's standing for us. He's standing tall for us. He's standing tall enough not just to see what we're hiding behind, but to see us as we're hiding. I want you to know that Jesus is standing for lost people today. And the way he stands for lost people is he stands tall in you. See, you are the only hope. Make no mistake about it. There's no one else that's going to do the job unless you take up the mantle. You are the only hope that some people have. It ought to, ought to, it ought to be a weighty thing inside of your heart as it is inside of my heart. See, this whole holiday thing about inviting people to our worship gatherings on the weekend, it's more than, than about filling the seats. Oh, make no mistake about it, I love to see all the feet, seats filled in here. It's just a great thing when you're leading a group of people. As, as Cedric started out and, and then you look out and there are like three or four in the beginning and all these filling the seats. It'd be nice to see a hundred people filling this place. Someone told me once a story about that this place had thousands of people coming on the weekends. And, and it's not just about nickels and noses for nickels and noses sake. But see, this place used to be called a sanctuary. You know what a sanctuary is? It's a place of refuge. It's a place of hope. It's a place of compassion. And it's not just a place for us. There are hurting people in our community everywhere we go. They don't always look like us. They don't always talk like us. And they don't walk like us. But they need us. They need us to take seriously our mission. Jesus, Son of Man, came to seek and to save, to find and to restore, to search for and to rescue the lost. That was his mission. It's our mission, too. Uh, I promised I wouldn't tell any police stories, so I won't do that to you today. But there was a time uh, in my life, uh, many, many years ago, I was teaching uh, in Jamaica, West Indies, uh, teaching the second year Bible college students. It was my favorite class to teach at the Bible college. And uh, these guys were eager. They were about to graduate and go out and change the world. And I thought, man, I get the final say-so. And it's an odd thing there. No matter how hot the climate is, I mean, Jamaica's a hot, I mean, it's a warm, mulchery kind of... Everyone wore ties and long sleeve shirts. And so here I was that day teaching the class. I had on my, my white shirt, sort of like I do today, and my tie and my jacket on. And I'm, I'm presenting and teaching about what it means to be a leader and, and how a leader has to step up to the plate and do what has to be done. Uh, and I was teaching inside of the chapel, which is the largest classroom they had on campus there in Jamaica. Students from all over the Caribbean and, and all over Africa and, and, and coming from Cuba, all different places. And, and in my mind, I, my mind, I got the challenge to challenge them with the mission 
of Jesus, to be leaders in the world that lacks leadership. But then all of a sudden, in the back of the room, uh, the back of the room, the door opened up and little lady walked in. Her name was Gloria. Gloria came to the front. Gloria was our housekeeper at the house. Gloria came up to the front of the auditorium. Hey, Mr. D, which is rather odd in the middle of a lecture. Like, you don't, like, I'm thinking, like, what's going on, Miss Gloria? Hope is missing. And so you wouldn't know what that meant except for Hope was my youngest daughter. Hope was just seven years old. And I stood there like, like, excuse me, what do you mean? Trying to keep quiet. Like, what, what are you talking about? Hope is missing. I stood there for what felt like eternity. You know those movies where all of a sudden everything just gets big? See, see, I know the statistics. I know that the longer a person is missing, the less the chances of re- recovering them alive. I know that the longer they're missing, the, the more difficult it is, in fact, to find that person. So I began to wonder, like, what, what do you mean hope is missing? Somebody was supposed to be responsible for hope, and that wasn't me. Why didn't you do your job? That's what I began to think. And, and at first, I, I started to walk heading out of the auditorium. I didn't have time to, to get dignified. Excuse me, students, we're going to now dismiss the class and we'll reconvene on another day. No, I I began to put down my my book and I began to walk to the back. But then that walk quickly turned into a a, a little little job. Before long, I was heading out the back door and before I knew it, I I began to call her name, Hope! See, all of a sudden, what was once just a lost person became individually important to me. I remember coming out the door and all of a sudden the students came running out after us. Hey, what's going on? It didn't take them long to figure it out because they knew my daughter. Hey, we need to find hope. Remember going over to where the house was and saying, hey, hope, hope. Remember the security guys coming and gathering around. I had hired because I was in charge of security, a lot more security guys because there was this large wall. And there were those who wanted to get in and pray upon the weak, as they called them inside the Bible College campus. And so, hey, guys, we need to take this seriously. You need to go house to house. We will find hope and we will find her now. Yes, sir, Mr. D. Yes, sir. And they began to go. We don't need to knock. Just get inside and find hope. I remember running over to the beautiful swimming pool we had there on campus. I mean, it overlooked the ocean. I would sit there day after day with my little hope watching the ships roll in on the on the beautiful coast of Jamaica. But all of a sudden, I ran to that pool and I, and I wondered, is my hope going to be down there in that water? I know how much she loved to swim. My heart racing. Fear, panic, a deep sense of anguish. And I looked in and took a deep breath. No, she's not there. But where, where, where is my, my daughter, Hope? I remember running back up to, to the chapel, seeing if anyone had seen or heard anything. And, and all of a sudden they began to gather around and circle up. And, 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 and they were going to say a prayer. And I'm like, pray for what? It's not time to pray. We need to get out and start looking. Hope is missing. What are you doing? Yes, sir, Mr. D. Yeah, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll start searching. It didn't take me long and I, and I ran down to the, to the water cistern right in front of the banana leaf, uh, where they burn the banana leaves at right there in the bottom of the campus. And there was this big water cistern there and it had a cement top, a large circular cement top. And it hadn't been a year, uh, when a young boy, of a couple of the parents that I knew and prayed for often, when their son playing on top of that, Sister and top had fallen in and, and uh, he never made it out. Died in that deep water. See, not everyone that's lost will be found. 
Not everyone that comes up missing will be recovered. I remember getting down with my white shirt on, now my tie torn. I remember the tears now that were coming down my face because I've got to find the one that matters. I remember getting down that ground and, and pushing aside that large stone like a fool, yelling down, Hope, are you down there? I never forget that day. See, it becomes real when it becomes personal. Ran back up uh, to the campus again. She wasn't there. And man, my heart was torn. Shirt was dirty and everyone else was gathered around. My wife came up from the children's classroom down below where the grade school was going on. What's going on? And man, it was an ugly cry by then. You know the one. I mean, fluids were just flowing. Now, the, the end of the story, the quick end of the story is that, man, before long, Miss Gloria came running up. Hey, we found her, Mr. D. Hope's okay. We found her. Oh, oh man. I, I, didn't, I didn't stroll over. Oh, man, that's just sweet. Man, I, I took off running. I took off running, and I, and I grabbed her up, and I held her. I didn't say, what were you doing? Where were you? Man, all I said was, Hope, man, I'm so glad to see you. I'm so glad that you're still here. The one that was lost was found. Hey, lost people matter. Not everyone that goes missing, not everyone that's lost will be recovered. But I do know this, it's up to you to take the mission of Jesus seriously. And if you don't, there'll be some dire consequences out there. Jesus came to seek and to save, to, to search for and to rescue those that are lost. Lost people, they matter to God. So this, this season, man... Uh, when you, when you get your, your card about inviting people to church, man, the stakes are high. You don't have to look very far to know that the stakes are high in our world today. And it's not just the hate. Think about the shootings that we've had in schools and in restaurants. Lost people. Think about your own family. Think about the people you encounter every day. Crack, cocaine addiction, heroin addiction, opioids, lost. People lost in the criminal justice system. People lost in the foolish pursuit of wealth and success. People lost in, in illicit relationships. All trying to find their way, wandering in the dark. I'm not telling you that you need to go out there like a, like a frantic fool like I was. Nah, you, you don't need to go out here and stop cars and snatch up passerbyers and and force them into here. Nah, none of that at all. Don't, don't do that. Especially don't say that Daryl told me to go and do that. <laughs> you decide to do that. But I do want you to know that lost people matter. Who's in your circle? I mean, you've, you've got smartphones. If your smartphones are smart enough, there are some people here that ought to matter to you. See, when Jesus found the lost sheep, he, did, he didn't say, you know what? He wasn't thinking. He's, the good shepherd wasn't thinking. You know what? You got there on your own and uh, you now got to figure out how to get yourself out. He wasn't thinking, you shouldn't have been so stubborn. I warned you that there were wolves out there on the prowl and uh, you know what? I'm sorry for you. Didn't say there was no condemnation, no guilt. The Bible says, man, that he picked him up, the dirty sheep, put him on his shoulders and brought him back and threw a party. <laughs> I wonder if the people who we say we love, the people who say matter to us, 
I wonder if we care enough not to condemn them, not to criticize them, to put them down because of their habits. I wonder if we care enough to love them right where they are as Jesus cared for us right where we were. And while we were yet sinners, is what the Bible tells us. While we were yet liars and thieves and crooks, outlaws and in-laws. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Jesus then sent his son to die for us. The Bible says he loves us with an everlasting love and not just us. He loves those who are lost, who are uncertain about their, their state, who are confused about where they who are, who are wandering around in the dark, banging their heads on this and that and the other. You see it in the news like I do. There's only one question today. Only one question. Your mission, uh, should you choose to accept it, is to, to seek and to save, to search for and to find, to reach out to those who are lost, to rescue, to point them back to the Father. Not everyone who's lost even knows they are. I remember as a cop, I would see people walking a little fifi down the sidewalk with the little lead, and I would pull by on the way somewhere else in my car, my police car, and I'd be thinking, man, they have no idea. How many people you encounter every day who has no idea where the path that they're heading is going to lead them? Every now and again, I'd pull over and say, ma'am, um, I know, sir, I know that uh, you think you're okay, but I think you've gone a little bit too far down this particular road. Uh, this is not safe for you. I think you're lost. Oh, no, officer, I know where I am. No, no, you really don't know where you are right now. Sometimes people just need you to tell them that they've gone down the wrong path a little bit too far. It's an old saying that says, uh, <laughs> sin will take you uh, farther than you want to go. Uh, keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you way more than you can afford to pay. Okay, but the good news is Jesus paid it all. He, he paid it all, not just for you and for me, uh, but he paid the price for lost people. Take your mission seriously. Bow your heads.